Hi everyone, this is Jane K. Dickinson. I wanted to give you an overview of my upcoming podcast. It's actually upcoming very quickly because my goal was to get this podcast started on the first of the year 2019, which was yesterday. I got to get to work. I wanted to let you know what the podcast is about, why I'm doing it, what it's called, who it's for, and so on. My podcast is Unshaming Diabetes. And what I mean by that is I want to shine a spotlight on the shame that surrounds diabetes and how we can work together, people with diabetes, healthcare professionals, and the general public to eradicate this shame. And there's shame aimed at people with diabetes from all different angles and all different places and for many different reasons. So we certainly have work to do to get rid of this shame. It also takes some understanding of where the shame comes from and how it got started. My goal is to interview a variety of people, people who live with diabetes, people who work in diabetes, people who are exposed to diabetes for a variety of different reasons, kind of have some conversations about the shame surrounding diabetes and just about living with diabetes and, and most important, living well with diabetes. So I'd like to ask people about their experiences with diabetes, whether that's directly living with it, whether that's uh, struggling with it, whether that is um, having a loved one who has diabetes, or whether that's working in the diabetes profession, or maybe it'll be other connections that I don't even know about yet. I want to ask those people, you know, what, what it's like for them, their connection with diabetes. What are their thoughts on how people can live well and live better with diabetes? Obviously, until we have a cure and there is no more diabetes. For right now, my goal is to focus on positive attitudes and living well with diabetes. I keep saying that over and over because I mean it. Figure out, you know, how, how can we address the downside of diabetes, the shame that's out there, the shame that people experience and feel every single day. And it's related to everything from food to technology, using it or not using it, medications, complications. Some of our conversations might be a little bit harder than others. Some of them might be fun and funny and others might be really frustrating or sad or scary. My goal is to blog about the conversations and maybe offer a little bit of explanation or support for what we talk about in the podcast because sometimes it will be a little bit maybe frightening you know when we talk about complications for instance and you know putting a positive spin on complications and that for many listeners that may sound crazy that may sound like you know something how can you possibly speak positively about complications related to diabetes those are some of the things that we might talk about i'm hoping it'll open up a whole new world of conversation and discussion around diabetes and again, how we can make the world a better place for people living with diabetes right now. So this is not a podcast about a how-to. This is not a, you know, instructions or shoulds or should nots or can or can'ts or anything like that. This is really just a bunch of conversations 
about our experiences with diabetes. And as I like to say, kind of taking it from a different angle. So thank you so much for listening and for giving me a chance with this. This is a brand new idea, a brand new project, even though I know podcasting is not brand new. And I know there are a lot of diabetes podcasts out there. My goal is for these interviews to be about 20 minutes long, give or take a few. I've been intrigued by the language of diabetes for many years. Actually, when I was a camp nurse back in the late 1980s, during our orientation sessions, we got talking about the language around diabetes and how words like diabetic and test and good and bad were really not helpful, are really not helpful. You know, the damage that words like that can do, the judgment that they inflict and the shame and guilt and anxiety and so on and so forth. Those of us who were at camp at the time decided to stop using the words diabetic and test. Those were the two big ones because checking blood glucose levels is not a test. And I know that many people have been thinking about this for a long time and maybe many people don't use the word test anymore. However, it is prevalent out there. The reason why it's a big deal is because when you think of a blood glucose level as a test result, you're really talking about it being a pass or fail, which is equivalent to a good or bad. And humans have this uncanny response of attaching their self-worth to things like test results, especially in the world of diabetes. And I saw it in campers all the time. Kids would, you know, not come out of the cabin because they were too afraid to tell me that their blood glucose was in the 200s when really it's just a number. You know, we say this all the time in diabetes education. They're just numbers. They're just information. Some people call them data or data points. They're just information with which we make decisions. Diabetes is about decisions all day long, every day, making decisions based on the information we have. And blood glucose levels are part of that information. And then we think about what are we about to do? Are we about to eat? Are we about to exercise? Are we about to take medication? And when you combine those different data points or that different information that we have, we can make the best and most informed decision possible and hopefully have the best possible outcomes as a result. That was a big one, test. And we don't say test strips anymore. You can just say glucose strips or strips. It's it's quite easy to replace those words if, if you just put in a little bit of effort and practice. It starts with awareness, obviously, being aware of hearing and reading and saying those words and then making the change. The other one was diabetic. And the reason why we stopped using diabetic is because we realized that it's a label and that it indicates that that is the most important part of who we are. When we call someone a diabetic or when we call ourselves a diabetic, we are indicating to the world that this is who I am. I am a diabetic. And so those of us at camp at that time, we really took that on and we said, no, we are so much more than that. We're so much more than diabetes. That's just one small part of who we are. And it's quite honestly, not the most important part. We started calling ourselves and each other people who have diabetes. And it was a girls camp, uh, a camp for girls with diabetes. So we would, you know, say girls with diabetes or children with diabetes or adults with diabetes or women with diabetes. Again, something to be aware of and then something to, you know, start to listen to and then making the change and, and being aware 
of you know what we're saying ourselves and changing that. And so the work that I've done in the language of diabetes has really evolved over the last three decades. Now it's 2019, so I can actually say three decades of language work, language awareness, and then language work. I have learned so much about the language of diabetes. I've learned it really does make a difference to people living with diabetes. The words that they hear and the tone with which they're said and body language, it matters. It really does matter matter the way we talk to people and the messages that we send. I've had type 1 diabetes since 1975, so 43 years. While I have been very fortunate to have amazing healthcare professionals and family members and supportive friends and diabetes connections and a great network, I have been affected personally by the language of diabetes, and more important, I've seen how it affects others. I am also a nurse and certified diabetes educator, and I work with many people who have diabetes. So I always say that I do this work, unshaming diabetes, for those who don't realize the impact that it's having on them. For those who don't feel they have a voice and who aren't comfortable standing up or speaking out, I hope that through this podcast, we can make a change. And so it's not that I or anyone else is the word police. It's not that we're wagging our finger and saying, don't say these words. What we're saying is come at it from a different mindset. Come at it from a mindset of people first. The person is more important than the diagnosis. The person is so much more than the diagnosis. Come at it from a strengths-based perspective. So look at a person's strengths, identify them and say, how can you use these strengths to help you manage your diabetes and live well with it? Come at it from a perspective of empowerment. You know, what's going to send a message that's going to make this person feel good about themselves and take the best possible care of themselves? And then we just use words as examples because people tend to want something that they can, something more tangible that they can hold on to and use as an example and say, okay, so I'm not going to say diabetic. I'm going to say person with diabetes. People living with diabetes very often call themselves diabetic and that's their that's their prerogative. They, you know, they can call themselves whatever they want to call themselves. Our point in the language movement is to not refer to other people as diabetics. We're leading by example as, as health professionals and hopefully for those listening as people living with diabetes and people who are, um, you know, have loved ones with diabetes. Those are some of the guidelines that we came up with when we published a paper on the use of language in diabetes care and education that was published in two different professional journals back in 2017. The work is really growing and spreading throughout the world. Before our paper, that Diabetes Australia had a position statement on language. And since our paper, the United Kingdom has come out with a paper, a position statement on language as well. And there are others around the world. The International Diabetes Federation has a philosophy of language that they have published on their website. And many, many people across this country and throughout the world are working on changing the language. And the place to start is to change the mindset, to change the approach, and to come from a place of not just meeting people where they are, but accepting them where they are. And really, when we come from a place of acceptance, 
the language will follow because those words like diabetic and test and compliant and adherent and control, they just don't make sense anymore when we're coming from a place of acceptance. So that is basically how I got started. What led me to this podcast was my interest in the language of diabetes. And I've had many conversations with many different people who live with diabetes and people who work in diabetes about language, about our approaches, about acceptance. It became evident to me during one of those conversations, specifically with Susan Guzman, who's a clinical psychologist and works with people who have diabetes. And I'm going to interview her, I'm sure, multiple times for this podcast. One of our interviews will be coming up soon. It was in one of those conversations with Susan where I just realized the light went on and I said, Susan, this needs to be a podcast. We need to share these conversations with other people so that people know the discussion, people understand the discussion in the background around why it's so important that we change the way we talk about diabetes, the way we talk about people with diabetes, and the way we talk to people who have diabetes. So for me, the connection between the language of diabetes and the shame around diabetes became very clear. And that is what led me to developing this podcast. Thank you for listening today. And I hope you'll continue to listen. I hope you will check out my blog at www.janekdickinson.com. And that is where I will write about any explanations that I feel might help with preparing or debriefing from these podcast discussions. Please feel free to share in the comments on my blog if you have questions about the podcast or if you have suggestions for other people who would be good to interview for the podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts.